Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Joining me at our Arizona Capitol Bureau this week are... Aliyah Rao, legislative reporter. Ron Hansen, I cover the congressional delegation. Yvonne Winget, I cover the governor's office and state politics. This week on the Gaggle, Attorney General Mark Burnovich sues over high tuition costs. President Trump cuts a deal with Democrats, and we see how Arizona's delegation reacts. But we start with a constitutional planning convention, and Aliyah Rao is here to decipher that for us. Aliyah, what's going on? So, no white wigs, but we do have a lot of lawmakers from around the country who have gathered for what's called the um, Balanced Budget Amendment Planning Convention. And this is basically an event, kind of a, a convention of states, they call it informally, to plan what they hope will be an Article 5 convention. It gets complicated, bear with me. Under the U.S. Constitution, if enough states come together and demand that Congress call a convention, that's called an Article 5 convention. And they're trying to get to that point in order to pass an amendment to the Constitution to limit federal spending. So this has not come without some serious concerns. What are what are people worried about with this? I know there were some protests. I'm not sure if they were really on point or not. But there, there's another number of concerns, and they actually come from both sides. You have you know some conservative members of Congress and former lawmakers like Andy Biggs from Arizona who has voiced concerns that we've never had an Article 5 convention. And this is a group of people from different states coming together. And essentially, once you have that convention, they're not limited to dealing with a certain issue. So there's fear that it could kind of run away and they could address any issue they wanted. They could change the Constitution. They could change the amendments. They could do basically whatever they wanted. The goal of this convention is to kind of say, we understand you're worried we're setting some rules for that convention coming up. The problem is even these guys admit that none of the stuff they do this week is binding if and when we get to an Article 5 convention. So they could pass like Amendment 30 that says no white shoes after Labor Day? They could. And yet you could still wear your shoes, your purse, and your white belt. As I do at all times. So uh, you, politically, though, are we seeing... Uh, I think you reported there were people from 22 states. Do these tend to be, are these all Republicans or is there a mix? They invited all 50 states and and they invited Democrats as well. It appears that all of the participants that are here are Republican. It's a majority of white men. There are nine women, I think, participating. But generally you have... Um, it's a it's a pretty non-diverse group. Ad- adhering to the first constitutional convention, I would guess. <laughs> that is true. I think that was all white men as well. Um, so wh- what are the chances of success? They need seven more states to pass resolutions asking for an Article 5 convention. They hope to get those in the next year, but this is something they've wor- been working on for years and years. So it's unclear whether they can or, or how long it might take to get those seven additional states. Who's down here from the Arizona delegation? Like, who's down here uh, helping them along? Arizona has seven delegates and seven alternates. It's a very popular event when it's just down the street, apparently. Um, Representative Kelly Townsend is actually was elected chairwoman of the entire convention. So that was a big deal. And we've got um, Senator Steve Smith. We have Senator Sylvia Allen. 
and several others who are kind of kind of helping. Um, but those are kind of the ones taking the lead. So it'd be if Arizona had a freedom caucus, these would basically be the That free- would be it. Yeah. There really are no uh, moderate Republican lawmakers participating in this. So before we leave this topic, I, I do want to touch on, you say that they want a balanced budget amendment. Like they can't do that this week, but ultimately when they call the actual constitutional convention, that's one of the things they want. And a lot of people think that that would be basically economic suicide. Does that, does anything like that come up? We haven't heard a lot of discussions about the fiscal impact of what they want to do. And there's a lot of different ideas on how they want to do it. There's one idea that in order to raise the debt ceiling, maybe you require a majority of states to approve that first, which would take, I don't know how much time, um, our last amendment to get all the states to approve it took 200 years. So there's a question on that. And, and there was some discussion. I know when I talked to Representative Townsend, she said maybe there's a way to kind of gradually do it. So you kind of move towards decreasing that debt. So there's a little bit of conversation, but generally there aren't a lot of details being discussed yet. 200 years. So that, that Hurricane Irma funding's coming. Hang on. <laughs> tell tell your great-great-grandchildren <laughs> to pick up the check. Um, so how, how did Arizona end up hosting this? Basically, this is something uh, Representative Kelly Townsend has been very active in this, in this, as have a couple of other state lawmakers. They go to conventions, not conventions, but but gatherings around the country discussing this issue over the past several years. And once uh, Senate President Andy Biggs left, they had some wiggle room in the Senate to get Senator Senate President Steve Yarbrough to buy into it. So they basically called a convention, called a convention of states. And so that's why they called it so they get a host it. Correct. So the Arizona Constitution says that instruction at public universities is to be, quote, as nearly free as possible. That's in the Constitution. And that anyone who pays tuition, of course, knows that it's far from free. Um, And this is what Attorney General Mark Burnovich is suing over. He's saying, he's suing the Board of Regents, saying what, that they have failed to follow the Constitution in this, Yvonne? Yeah, he's saying that they have um, dramatically and unconstitutionally increased the price of in-state tuition. And uh, he's saying that, that they've increased it by as much as 370% over the last 15 years. Um, this is part of a, a debate that's been happening uh, for, for many years. Um, it's kind of amped up over the last couple of years, back in 2015 when the university saw about $100 million in cuts. Uh, you started to see this debate um, reig- get reignited. Um, but his lawsuit also came as an, a, an important deadline loomed over whether or not DREAMers should be able to get in-state tuition uh, at these universities. The regents have decided that they, they will get it. Brnovich has warned, eh, that might be improper, and uh, has essentially put them on notice that he thinks it's improper. Um, it sounds, though, that he didn't want to play this game of pile-on that maybe other people... Um, have been doing, and so he decided to instead make the main thrust of his lawsuit over the region's tuition-setting policy. A- am I hearing a little Bernie Sanders in this? I don't know that I'd say Bernie Sanders, but he's definitely bucking his own party. He's not playing, they would say, nice, or at least he's not playing their game. He's kind of changed the rules. So he's gone rogue. I don't know that he'd say he's gone rogue. He would say he's, you know... Uh, staying true to to his conviction. He's doing what he thinks is right on these issues. 
Um, remember, he is a line prosecutor. He worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office. He didn't really have to worry about the day-to-day -day politics of his cases. The U.S. Attorney did that for him, and so I think you are seeing a little bit of that here. And what has the reaction been then from the uh, non-rogue Republicans? We were actually sitting with members of Ducey's administration as this news broke. They were unaware and had no comment. They hadn't even seen the, the lawsuit. Uh, the news broke even before the regents were served the lawsuit and were told they're not happy. They came out um, swinging, saying that this is just, you know, a, a, a news a headline-making attempt by Brnovich that there's no merit here. Uh, and we're told that allies of the regents and the governor have been making calls over to the attorney general's office, trying to get through to him, trying to change his mind or try to figure out a way out of this. I think that uh, this is a series of things that he has done over the past several months that have caused them pause and you know I don't know that this is a candidate that they were expecting. So we'll get to the list of some of those things but th this does put him in a position where he can make a lot of people look bad a lot of other Republicans I mean the governor and the legislature they they fund universities of course uh, the regents Michael Crow a lot of sort of big power players in the state um, other people too probably I don't know that I can't think of. But anyway, but it does kind of set him at odds with with a lot of his Republican uh, comrades. Yes, and I have talked a little bit about that with uh, folks who are familiar with his thinking on this, and it sounds like he just doesn't care. I mean, he did not come from their background. He has not run for office before. I mean, this is a guy who still lives in the neighborhood he grew up with, still hangs out with his high school buddies, does not go to these, you know, Dana Point, Palm Springs summits to hobnob with wealthy donors. I mean, this is a guy who has um, a pretty, you know, probably upper middle class life, but doesn't hang out with the forces, these powerful forces down here at the state capitol. So will he change his tune? remains to be seen. So let's tick off some of these other things that he's done that have been sort of surprising. He, he sues this Chandler company, Insys. Uh, they have a fentanyl spray. They're accused of, of, using, of, of paying doctors basically to be uh, shills for this drug and to prescribe it in high quantities. It's 50 times more potent than heroin. So there's certainly uh, you know, medical concerns there, but then also the legal issues that they're raising. What else has he done? Well, what's important there, too, is that they gave half a million dollars to try to defeat the recreational marijuana campaign. This was a campaign Governor Ducey felt very strongly about, Bill Montgomery, county attorney, felt very strongly about. And so I think folks were stunned uh, when they saw that lawsuit. Brnovich's own campaign consultant started trolling him on Twitter. Sean Noble was actually saying he was shaking his head. He also refused to fight the minimum wage hike. There were business groups that were opposed to um, seeing this increase to the minimum wage, which was passed by voters. He said he was going to uphold the will of the people. And if I think if you had to read the tea leaves on the school voucher issue, he's been asked by a dark money group, American Federation for Children, um, to potentially impanel a grand jury to look at improper or alleged improper signature gatherings uh, by people who want to reverse this law, I think you can expect him to tell them to pound sand too. 
So the people who want the expansion of the school voucher program to go forward. So how does this play out? Does, is there some graceful exit for him or does he just keep, does he stand his ground? I think he stands his ground and maybe doubles down. So President Trump last week struck a deal with Democratic leadership. This was to keep the government funded and to raise the debt ceiling. This extends until mid-December. Uh, but this was, yeah, I guess you would say untraditional, kind of Trumpian in a way, uh, cutting a deal with Democratic leadership instead of Republican leadership. Ron, how did that play with uh, Arizona's delegation, in particular the Republicans? It doesn't seem like it played well, <laughs> though outwardly they held their fire on this for the most part. Um, it was interesting in what wasn't said. There wasn't a lot of the usual uh, praise for the president on the right. There wasn't the rare praise coming from the left. And there wasn't any criticism. Uh, and the conservative members of the, co of the delegation have not been shy about condemning President Obama, for example, when they thought he was doing something that was uh, off the rails. And, and yet, obviously, this conservative delegation did not want to criticize the president for what is really kind of his first foray into um, bipartisanship or at least going outside the uh, the, the usual norms of uh, working within your party to try and take up the issue of the day. So uh, Andy Biggs kind of stands out as the, the member who has spoken out most aggressively against what the president did. And even that has not been hostile to the president. It's just been to say he didn't think it was a good deal. It didn't accomplish much. And in fact, it really just kind of kicks the can down the road. Um, and what we saw was four of the nine uh, members voting against this deal, all of them Republicans, uh, with not a lot of criticism wrapped around that. Um, and then we also saw both of the state senators uh, shoot down the same measure, uh, noting that uh, they didn't like the way that this just continues to allow the budget to be unresolved and fester. And, and so they weren't enthused either, and they certainly have not been shy about condemning the president, but they found their own reason so, for So in these situations, typically the more conservative Republicans would want some sort of offset to raising the debt ceiling. They, we, they would want to see some spending cuts. It's, you know, their message is we've got to rein in spending so we don't have to keep going back and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. That's right. And they they had some ideas as to what they wanted to accomplish. But like a lot of what has been playing out this year, there wasn't a pure consensus that the Republican majority could just take to the floor and say, let's let's run this through. Um, because of that lack of cohesiveness on this and frankly, the the calendar for what the, um, the legislative um, calendar would allow, I think the administration uh, looked at Democrats and uh, probably still uh, incensed a little bit over the way that health care went down in ashes and, and the way that the Republican agenda has just not moved forward on a number of fronts. Uh, the president made a deal with Democrats and, and takes off the front burner uh, a couple of issues that had to be resolved in short order. And it allowed the administration uh, to at least claim that now they've got the political space to work on something that they do care a lot about, and as does the Republican delegation more broadly. 
uh, and that would be tax reforms. They want to pass a series of tax cuts, some tax changes, and they see this as a pro-growth uh, item that they now have more time and space to work so on. So Senator Jeff Flake wrote in his book, Conscience of a Conservative, where he said, you know, basically took on Trump and said, this guy is not a conservative. Kind of the alternate or counter argument to that that I've seen, this uh, guy, he's a Tea Party uh, type that I follow on Twitter. He said, his argument's like, whatever Trump is, when you look in a dictionary 20 years from now, that's what the definition of a conservative will be. What do you think about that? You think you think that the, the what we consider now conservatives are going to be 20 years from now what we see Trump being? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I, I would say this. Paul Gosar, for example, offered a, a tweet. He's a Republican for the, uh, the Arizona delegation. He, in the midst of all this um, sort of swirling uh, um, anger and surprise among Republicans, he pointed to a poll that said that Republicans need to get behind Trump and stay with him uh, or they face political, you know, backlash next year at the polls. And it suggests that no matter how odious you might find this particular deal, the fact is that they still view him as the, the way forward uh, as a party in terms of their agenda in the near term and, and presumably for their longer term vision. I, I think that there's definitely a significant element of that in the Republican Party, certainly within the Freedom Caucus as a whole. There's considerable concern among more establishment Republicans, but to this point, they really haven't done much to uh, put significant distance between them and the administration. And we'll see if maybe on the Dreamers issue, for example, uh, as they did with the Republican or with the Russian sanctions, do they try and, and push the administration in a position that it didn't really want to go? But they haven't done much of that, and if they don't, then it's sort of adopting the Trump view by their omissions, by just continuing to go along as if there is nothing to change. For a final segment, what are you watching for this week, Yvonne? I want to see if Ducey and the Arizona Commerce Authority makes moves to try to woo Amazon. Ron Hans. I want to see if this tax reform package starts to take some shape. Aaliyah? I'm waiting to see if Trump comes back to town. I hear he's going to do a tax package tour with quite a few states, and we know how much he loves Arizona. So we'll keep an eye out for uh, Air Force One. Keep your gas masks handy. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. And I'm at Aaliyah Rao. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Thanks to the politics team. Our production team is Jojo Huckaba, Haley Sanchez, and Kayla White. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week. Mm-hmm.